Hello and welcome to Dangerous Assignment from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Dangerous Assignment, transcribed starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that all I have to do on this assignment is sit tight right on top of a powder keg. Morning, Commissioner. You sent for me? Steve, I want you to go to a certain cafe in Saigon, Indochina, and pick up a package. It won't be marked handled with care. Should it be? Definitely. It's a bomb. A bomb? Oh, great. We don't know who's going to show up to deliver that package, Steve, but we do know the man who's supposed to pick it up and plant it somewhere. He's an American newspaper man named Richard Melton. How do we find that out, Commissioner? Melton told us the whole story. You see, someone in Saigon tried to put the pressure on him, threatened the lives of Melton's wife and his children here in the States if he didn't do as he was told. And still Melton didn't knuckle under him. No, he played along with them to see what he could find out. Meanwhile, of course, we've seen to it that his family is safe. What has he found out? Very little, actually. They've been very cagey about giving him too much information. Does he have any idea why he was singled out for the job? No idea at all. Being a reporter, an American at that, he'd have access to a lot of places others wouldn't. That's the key, Steve. I'm sure of it. Get over to Saigon and talk with him. If possible, I want you to take his place at the cafe. Find out what this is all about. Well, that's it, Steve. You've got your assignment. Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Before we bring you tonight's adventure with Steve Mitchell, here's a reminder about Thursday night's entertainment lineup on NBC Radio. You'll hear Western songs and adventure from the Double R Bar Ranch in Paradise Valley, when it's time for the Roy Rogers Show. Listen as the King of the Cowboys, Roy Rogers, and the Queen of the West, Dale Evans, bring you top-flight radio entertainment. And then stay tuned for Father Knows Best with Robert Young in the title role. Father Knows Best is a truly enjoyable family comedy show. Also on Thursdays, hear Eddie Cantor's show business show with the recorded voices of the world's finest entertainers. And keep your date with Judy Canova and her fine program. Thursday night is packed with top radio listening on the NBC radio network. Sure, I've got my assignment. Get over to Saigon in Indochina to a certain cafe there and pick up a package. It's a bomb. And we're interested in finding out why an American correspondent was tabbed to deliver it and where... It's late Wednesday afternoon when my plane lands, and I hurry over to the Hotel Royale to Richard Melton's room. Hey, you just missed you, Mr. Mitchell. Uh, who'd I miss? The man with a package. 
Huh? You mean he's already... No, he didn't bring it with him. Just dropped in to make certain I'd be at the cafe tonight. I see. I think he just wanted to get a good look at me, that's all. You never saw him before? Never. Little guy, just barely five feet, gray-haired, close to 60. European. From his accent, I'd say he was from the Balkans. He was only here a moment or two. Any change in plans? None. The Cafe Saint-Jacques, 8 o'clock tonight. Hmm. That sort of complicates things, Milton. Oh, how? I've sort of planned on going to the cafe as Richard Milton. It's out of the question now, isn't it? Little guy knows what I look like. Yeah. So I guess you'll have to go there after all, but I'll be close by. It's a quarter of eight when we leave the hotel and wander over to the small cafe known as St. Jack's. There's a fair crowd on hand. We sort of blend into it. Milton takes up a position at the bar, and I ease over to a table and sit down. Eight o'clock, 8.30. No one approaches Milton. It's well after nine when he strolls out of the place, and I follow. I don't get it, Steve. What do you suppose went wrong? You sure about the time and the place? Positive. He didn't show. At least I didn't see him. Your little friend might have tumbled to the fact that he was walking into a trap. How could he have suspected? Beats me. Sometimes these characters know. They can sense when things are wrong. Well, what do we do now? We go back to your hotel and try to figure something out. Like what? Look, this little gent didn't walk into our trap, so he's still walking around town with a bomb in his hip pocket, waiting to plant it somewhere. So? So where? And why were you picked to plant it? I've tried to figure it out, Steve, but I've come up with a big fat nothing. Well, we better try again, Milton, real hard. We've got to figure out where he wants that bomb planted and get there before it is. We go back to Milton's hotel and spend the next couple of hours trying to second-guess the little man with high-explosive ideas. Sure, Milton's in Indochina to cover the war there, and... He has access to a lot of important people, high government officials, both native and French. Also, diplomats and military advisors from the U.S. and England. So we go through a list of contacts that he's established in Saigon, people he's met, places he's been to, people he expects to meet, and places he expects to go. So we still wind up with, as Milton says, a big, fat nothing. You expecting a call? No. Uh, it might be Skelly, though. He's the bureau chief in Singapore. We keep pretty close contact. Hello? Melton here. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, it's him. The little guy? Yeah. Yes, I see. Uh, I was wondering what had happened. I waited at the cafe. Oh. Oh, yes, of course. What? All right. Yes, I understand. Yes, I'll... I'll be there. Right. What's up, Melton? Looks like we were wrong, Steve. He doesn't suspect a thing. Doesn't he? Why didn't he show? He explained there'd been a delay. Couldn't get to the cafe. Called me at the hotel here, but I'd already left. So? Well, the deal's still on. Wants me to meet him in half an hour. Same place? Yep, same place. The Cafe Saint-Jacques. Okay, so we'll oblige. Cafe St. Jacques. He goes inside and I take up a stand across the street in the shadows and I wait. A few minutes later, I see the little gent, barely five feet tall, hurry into the cafe. He's carrying a briefcase under his arm. I wait another five minutes and then Melton comes out. Now, 
He's carrying the briefcase. Over here, Milton. Well, here it is, Steve. I don't mind telling you, I don't feel too happy handling it. He tell you where to deliver it? Yeah. I'm to wait a half hour, then take it to an address on the Rue Dauphin, number 37. Number 37, Rue Dauphin? Does it mean anything to you? No. Nope. Never been to the place, and offhand, I don't know who lives there. Well, you've got half an hour. Better get this briefcase down to police headquarters right away. What about you? What are you going to do, Steve? I'm going to take a run over to 37 Rue Dauphin. What about our little friend inside the cafe? Uh, the local law has a man in there. He'll keep tabs on him. See you around, Milton. I grab a cab and hustle over to 37 Rue Dauphin. A few minutes later, I step up to a phone box and put in a call to police headquarters. I finally get through to Milton. Uh, Steve, I'm glad you called. Our little friends turned out to be a practical joker, Milton. You're telling me. Huh? Yeah, the briefcase he handed me. What about it? No bomb. It was stuffed with newspapers. Newspapers? Yeah. You get to 37 Rue Dauphin? It's an empty lot. What? Hey, what's going on? That's what I'd like to know. Hey, any word from the man the police have at the cafe watching our little friend? No, he hasn't called in yet. Probably still over there. I think I'll go on over. That will not be necessary, my friend. What? Huh? You will hang Steve. up the phone, please. Hey, Steve, what's the matter? Steve. Hang up. Okay. Satisfied? Quite. You sure get around, little man. I do, don't I? Uh, if you are looking for the policeman who was following me, I lost him some time ago. Oh, bully for you. Shall we go? If you insist. I do. That uh, briefcase you're carrying... Not filled with newspapers, my friend. I didn't think it would be. I have but to release the handle and poof. It is all over. You mean we are? Exactly, my friend. Exactly. Uh, do you mind showing me your papers? Help yourself. My inside coat pocket. I would rather you handed them to me. Okay. And do be careful. Remember the briefcase. Yeah, poof. Okay, here you are. Thank you. Good. Good, as I expected. You sort of planned it this way, didn't you, Buster? Planned it what way, Mr. Uh, Mitchell? That crude attempt to pressure Melton. You must have checked up on him pretty thoroughly before you decided to put him on the hook. But of course. However, he is no longer important to us now. Oh? Ah, but you are. Yes, as you say, we planned it this way. You see, this briefcase must be delivered in a matter of a few hours. And you, Mr. Mitchell, with these very excellent credentials, you are going to help me deliver it. Shall we go, Mr. Mitchell? Brian Donlevy will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. As Americans, we're all proud of the beauty of our forest areas. We know, too, that from these areas, we get raw materials which help to keep our nation strong. That's why authorities who are seeking to combat forest fires feel sure of public cooperation once the public stops to realize the simple facts of forest fire prevention. Most forest fires are due to plain carelessness, carelessness which can be avoided by following these four rules. When in forest areas, crush out cigarettes, cigar, and pipe ashes. Break matches in two after using... Drown all campfires, then stir and drown them again. Find out the law before using fire. By remembering and practicing these rules, we can all play a part in reducing the number of forest fires, thus saving lives and property. So if you visit a forest area during your vacation, do your part for fire prevention. 
If you live or work in a forest area, be mindful of the four rules we mentioned. If we all work together, we can stop this shameful waste. Back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. I said, shall we go, Mr. Mitchell? That bomb under your arm says you're calling the shots for the time being. But please, we... please. My name is Pilat. But you are right. I am, as you say, calling the shots. And let me remind you again that if you try anything, I have only to release my hold on the handle of this briefcase and... Yeah, yeah, I know. Poof again. Quite right. Now, please, let us go. In a hurry? Only to get away from the vicinity of this telephone booth. I am certain your friend at the other end of the line will have notified the police of the interrupted call, which can be traced. You don't overlook much, do you? I don't overlook anything, Mr. Mitchell. Come outside. As you see on such a nice evening as this, the sidewalks and streets of Saigon are quite crowded. So? So even if you were foolhardy enough to wish to sacrifice your own life by trying to grab this briefcase, I am certain you would not wish to kill all these innocent passers-by. Look, Pilat, you mind telling me what goes? What do you mean? You rigged this whole phony pressure gag on Melton, the correspondent, just to get to me. It has something to do with my credentials, huh? True. You got a grudge against someone? Is it a deal like that, revenge? Hardly. You in this alone... You would be most reassured, I know, if I were to answer yes. But I am not in it alone. Just to put your mind at rest, it is a most carefully thought out and timed plan involving, let us say, a large organization of which I am only a small part. A necessary part, however. One might say, the trigger. I see. Three guesses which organization you're talking about. Mr. Mitchell, I admire your ingenuity, but it has its limits. What do you mean? Your purpose in asking me all these questions has been twofold. First, to learn my objective, if possible, so as to anticipate my moves. Oh, and what's the second? Uh, to divert my attention so that I would not notice that the same policeman who was assigned to watch me earlier is now following us a half a block back. Well, aren't you the little eagle eye? Thank you. Now, please turn around and wave him to go away. Mr. Mitchell, I mean it. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Okay. Thank you. Now, shall we resume our stroll? Where are we going? For the present, to the railroad station. So we go to the depot, find ourselves a bench in the crowded waiting room and sit down. The minutes tick by, but Pilot just sits there staring straight ahead with those pale blue eyes. I'm sweating plenty by now. This could be the payoff. His target might be somebody who's arriving by train, in which case, any second now, I could get blown sky high, and that starts me thinking. If I'm going to get blown up eventually, then why not now? What have I got to lose by trying to grab the briefcase? Then I remember where I am in a crowded waiting room. All those people could go up and smoke with me. Ah, humanitarian to the end, Mr. Mitchell. Hmm? You had almost persuaded yourself that you had nothing to lose by attempting to grab the briefcase. Then you remembered all the innocent lives here in the depot which would be sacrificed. What did you do? Take a correspondence course in mind reading? Uh, it was in your eyes. You know, Pilar, 
I don't get what makes guys like you tick at all. I did not expect that you would. You're willing to blow yourself sky high just to make this cockeyed plan of yours, whatever it is, work. Why? There will be a moment's pleasure at the thought of having outwitted you and all your colleagues. And there will be a sense of accomplishment at the destruction of the desired objective. That is sufficient. Brother, what a weird way of looking at it. To you, perhaps. <laughs> I see you are perspiring freely, Mr. Mitchell. Wouldn't you be in my shoes? Ah, a frank answer. I like that. I'm so glad. Perhaps I should have explained that you are not necessarily doomed with me, Mr. Mitchell. What do you mean? If you follow my instructions to the letter, you may survive. Oh? Yes. When we arrive at our final destination, if all has gone well, I will allow you 30 seconds to remove yourself from the scene before I release the handle of this briefcase and thus set off the explosion. I see. But that is only in the event you follow my orders exactly from here on. Any deviation, even the slightest, and I would not hesitate. I think you are aware of that. Yeah, you've made your point, believe me. Steve! Steve Mitchell! What? <laughs> Steve, how are you? What? Fine. Surely you remember me, Etienne Duval, the Riviera last summer? Oh, yeah, sure, Duval. I didn't recognize you without the mustache. Yeah, how are you, Steve? Oh, fine, just fine. Absolutely. Uh, please, I do not want to intrude if you were in a conversation. That is quite all right. I will slide over and make room for you. Oh, don't bother. There is room beside you. No, no, no. I will slide over. I insist. Very well. Thank you. It is good to see you, Steve. Yeah, I'm very glad to see you, too, Duval. What brings you to Saigon? I am unpredictable, Steve. I never know where I will end up. And you? Oh, I just sort of blew into town. Will you be along? I doubt it. Matter of fact, I guess I might blow out again almost any time. But I have not met your friend here. Oh, sorry, Mr. Pilat. This is Mr. Duval. A pleasure, Mr. Pilat. A pleasure indeed, Mr. Duval. I hope I am not intruding. Oh, not at all. We were just chatting. It's Steve, I would like to buy you a drink, if you have time. Uh, how about it, Pilot? Do we have time? Of course. A drink would be most delightful. Come, the bar is not far. Hey, we can talk over old times, eh, Steve? Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, I believe this will be far enough. What? This door right here. But I do not understand. This is not the door to the bar. It looks like a storeroom of some sort. Exactly. With a latch on the outside. Open it, please. Steve, what is the meaning of this? Simply that it was a nice try, Mr. Policeman. But this is as far as you go. Ah, well, better do like the man says, Duval. Thanks for the try, anyway. Sorry, Mr. Mitchell. Inside. Well, what now, mastermind? What time is it? 9.25. Good. It is time to go. I have a car outside. tells me to drive to the waterfront. We pull up near one of the piers. And now, Mr. Mitchell, my car keys, please. I hand them over. We get out. The pier is fenced off, and there are guards. Show your credentials to the guard at the gate. I do. And he lets us through. There are several ships tied up along the pier. Pilot motions to start toward one of them. Then suddenly something pops into my mind. Something Pilot just said. Something that tips his hand. I realize I've still got a chance of stopping him if I act fast. I hope I'm right because if I'm wrong, I'm dead, but quick. I whirl and lunge at him. Let's get back! He swings the briefcase at me. It puts me in the side of the face and knocks me to my knees. By the time I get
get to my feet. He's halfway up the gangplank to the freighter. I pound after him. On deck, a stocky gent runs up in front of me. Oh, that let go. Nobody comes aboard. Stop that little guy who just dove into the hatch there. He's got a bomb in that briefcase. A bomb? This is an ammunition ship. Ammunition? There's the one next to us. Come on, we gotta get him. So that's his pitch, huh? Plant his bomb on this ship and the whole harbor goes up. Hey, there he is. Just come up out of that other hatch up ahead. Hey, what? He doesn't have the briefcase with him. Oh, great. That means he's planted it below deck. He's heading for the bow. We'll get him later. Come on, let's find where he planted that bomb. Well, he only went down one deck, and he was there just a few seconds. There's only one compartment unlocked on that deck. He'd have to plant the bomb there. Come on. We head down the nearest hatch to the deck below and then pound along the passageway to the compartment that's unlocked. Inside, the sailor takes one side and I take the other, looking for the briefcase. We could get blown sky high any minute, Mitchell. You're telling me. You got any better ideas than finding the bomb before it goes off? How much time is it set for? How do I know? I didn't tumble that it was a time bomb at all until we got onto the pier. What put your wide? He asked me for his car keys. If he'd been going to blow himself up like he claimed, he wouldn't have bothered about him. I figured he tripped the trigger on the bomb that allowed him just enough time to get clear. Well, that means any second now. You're telling me. Not on this side of the compartment at all. If I've guessed wrong... If you've guessed wrong, it's too late. Wait a minute. What? I thought I heard something. Now I guess... Yeah. Yeah, listen. Checking. Yeah, over here. This locker, maybe. Hold it. I got it. How do we disarm it? We better not try. If I open the briefcase, it could go off. Now over the side with it, then. Yeah. Hey, no portholes here. We gotta get up on deck. Which is the fastest? The back way we came? No, no. There's another ladder closer this way. Good. Yeah, right around the corner of the passageway. Now, don't drop it. Are you kidding? Okay, up the ladder. Heck, the hatch is closed. Oh, no. That's dark down. Get it open. Come on, come on. Two more. One. There. Uh, quick. Come to the side with us. Here it goes. Hey, listen. I, I don't hear anything. No, neither do I. It's the most beautiful sound I never heard in my life. return in a moment. Every day, Monday through Friday, you'll hear the very best daytime radio programming on NBC Radio. Here's only a small part of the fun festival that's yours for the listening each weekday on most NBC stations. There's Tommy Bartlett with his delightful Welcome Travelers program from Chicago, Bob Hope with Bill Goodman and charming guest editors each day on the Bob Hope Daytime Show, Warren Hull and the show with the heart Strike It Rich, Red Benson and the phrase that pays. Jay Stewart with It Pays to be Married, and Johnny Olson with Your Second Chance. Each of these six fabulous masters of ceremonies is an expert in his line of entertaining you, the radio listener. So why not make it a date to set your radio dial to NBC Radio every Monday through Friday? Let these grand entertainers brighten your day and make your housework easier as they glide you effortlessly through the daytime hours. And remember, for the finest daytime radio entertainment, you'll dial it best and dial it all. If you keep your radio set to this station of the NBC Radio Network. Oh, 
Featured in tonight's cast were Jan R. Van, Jack Moyles, Hal Gerard, and Ted DeCorsia. This is John Storm speaking. Dangerous Assignment, transcribed, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Wright and Adrian John Doe. This has been an NBC radio production directed by Bill Carn.